Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Sometimes rules are made to be broken. And sometimes rules need to allow exceptions. Right now, this weekend in the NFL playoffs, there will be one rule that we are all used to hearing that will absolutely be tested because right now the exception is beating it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and of course your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them, hey! Play ESPN. I'm Jason Fitz. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jason Fitz. Harry Douglas, uh, you can hit him up at HDouglas83. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and I'm talking about running backs. Like every year, I host the NFL draft for us digitally. Last year, over 10 million people watched it. Really proud of the work uh, we do there. And I'll tell you, Harry Douglas and I are part of the team that will bring the draft to you again this year. And every year, when we sit there, particularly in the first round, we have these big conversations. You know, uh, when is the right time to take a star running back? Then, in fact, the next level of it is every single time a running back is about to get paid, there's even another question. Well, when is the right time to pay a running back? And there's this concept that you can't pay or draft a running back and be successful. Like a concept that if you are going to turn around and spend all of this money, you are actually hurting your franchise. This weekend, specifically, is breaking that concept. Now, yes, on the whole, You could say that wins above replacement, to use the Major League Baseball concept of running back, allows you to be in a certain situation where, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe you just want to look and see if you could be Seattle and find the next Kenneth Walker III in the draft. And that is a great strategy. But for these teams particularly, we're seeing greatness at the running back position, and it's a difference maker. I mean, for all the conversation we want to have right now, and Harry Douglas is going to join us in just a second. He'll chime in on this. For all the conversation we have right now about Brock Purdy, can we just stop for a second and acknowledge that Brock Purdy is not going to be the reason that the 49ers win the Super Bowl if they do? Yeah, he might be a big part of it. But frankly, Brock Purdy is one piece of it. I would much, if I'm telling you who matters more in the concept of winning a Super Bowl for San Francisco than Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey is squarely on that list, right? Like, we are in this spot where we are so dug in on the concept that you don't pay your draft running backs that we're not looking at Christian McCaffrey. We're not looking at Saquon Barkley. We're not looking at the skill positions we are seeing right now this weekend. Harry Douglas coming in, coming in hot. By the way, for anyone that was watching First Take earlier, Harry Douglas did himself in this show proud, as he always does, as he went in there and just kicked major ass over the course of two hours. Now he flies over to join us in AC. I'm sitting here talking about running backs because I feel like we say every year in the draft, no, don't draft one, don't pay one. This weekend, what are we seeing? A bunch of guys that were drafted or paid that are huge difference makers. Yeah, a lot of guys that have been consistent for their teams. And I'll start off number one. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and yes. their running back situation and um, – uh, Travis Etienne, I almost call him his brother's name. His brother's playing at Florida right now, Trevor Etienne. <laughs> but Travis Etienne has been phenomenal for this team, not just in the run game, but also in the pass game. And you talk about that explosion. Then I go to their opponent. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and you talk about Pacheco, how they've been able to do it by committee. Pacheco and McKinnon and uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's been playing not so much, but 
you know, they do it by running back uh, uh, of committee. You look at the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles and Saquon Barkley and what he's meant to that team. And I actually think Saquon is way more valuable than anybody on that football team uh, when you look at the New York football Giants and then Miles Sanders, top five in rushing in the National Football League for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you go on to, you know, the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm going to put their running back in the category for the Buffalo Bills as Josh Allen because, yes, he's their RB1. Yes, I said it, y'all. Josh <laughs> Allen is, is is the Buffalo Bills RB1. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals, you have Joe Mixon. And when Joe Mixon went out, when he went out this year, Samarji Piran stepped up tremendously for this football team. They trust Samarji Piran so much to the point that when they're passing the football, they put him in because he's so doggone good at protections. And then I'll go to the last two teams, the Dallas Cowboys, the two-headed monster with Tony Pollard. At the helm, also with Ezekiel Elliott, but Kellen Moore understanding that Tony Pollard is the more explosive back. Running the football and catching the football out of the backfield, and Ezekiel Elliott is more so the guy that they want for third and one, fourth and short, you know, tight red zone type situations. And then you get to the San Francisco 49ers. Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Christian McCaffrey, a guy that can line up and run routes like a wide receiver, but also run the football effectively from the backfield. But then you also have a guy in Debo Samuel, who's your wide receiver slash running back as well that you could throw back there, Elijah Mitchell. So multiple guys on all of these football teams that can run the football effectively and be a major difference in a football game. You, Everybody you're talking about there, I just keep thinking about the value they add to their team. And it's different. There's no one blanket rule. Like, Saquon's a much different player than Christian McCaffrey or Travis Etienne, right? Like, uh, I think we can all agree uh, on that. But at some point, you look at what they bring to their teams and you understand the value and the importance of it. Like, I, if you just got a guy, if you've just got any old running back, fine. Then maybe you don't need to go out and get yourself anybody else. Maybe you never need to pay a running back. But if you've got the guy... You pay him. And this is I, I think this is where we get so dug in on analytics of positions that we just forget to sometimes step back and use what Harry Douglas uses better than all of us, which is the eye test. Like, Miles Sanders was selected in the second round of the draft. Not a first-round pick. But look at the season he's having this year and tell me that the Eagles don't value Miles Sanders, right? Like, you, you look, at, look at the dual-threat ability of Christian McCaffrey and tell me that he isn't massively important. Joe Mixon, a little bit hard to evaluate coming out of the draft because of his history and everything else that was going on with him. But you can't tell me that these guys haven't become huge parts of it. Like, this concept that you can just plug and play anybody at running back forgives that there are several teams right now that don't have great running back situations that can't rely on their running game. And, you know, we've talked a lot on this on this show about some of the issues that certain teams have had, including, you know, let's look at the Bills that at times have struggled to establish a run without Josh Allen. Uh, we've talked at times about how you have got to be able to come in and force teams to respect the run, which means you got to have a decent well, running back. Well, Fitz, here's the thing. The common denominator within all those teams that we just mentioned in the running back position is that, those running backs aren't just guys that you're going to line up and rush the football. They aren't one-dimensional. Those guys are receivers out of the backfield as well, so they can do a multiplicity of different things from your backfield, or you can split those guys out wide. I literally just watched, you know, the Dallas Cowboys have a third and short against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tony Pollard lined up outside and caught a first down. You look at Christian McCaffrey and how many times he, he does it. We talked about the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley running the all-cross, right, when all the receivers coming to the right side of the field and they're picking for the line, picking the linebacker, guarding him in the middle of the football field, and he catches the football. Or when you look at Saquon Barkley a few years ago against New Orleans, catching a goal route for a touchdown against Marshawn Lattimore, 
right? All these guys are, are, are guys that can catch the football out of the backfield and be elusive doing so. You talk about Pacheco, a guy that's you know has a little size on him, lower body strength, speed, quickness. Uh, Jared McKinnon as well for the Kansas City Chiefs. All these guys are dual threat running backs, and they're not just one dimensional. Yeah, and that speaks to sort of where offense has gone, right? There's a there's a different level of creativity right now in what offensive coordinators can do. So having any weapon that's versatile is a big part of it. And I love that you brought up the Pollard play because I remember watching that specifically, thinking like that is such a natural, easy moment when you have a running back you can trust to run the routes, to be in the right spot, and to catch the football. Right? You see, like yep. when you have that, you've got an offensive coordinator that now. Knows you know if you are in run heavy and you op- and you motion that guy to the outside, you are now going to have a speed mismatch. There are not many linebackers that are really going to be comfortable in pass coverage against that running back if he knows what he's doing. So it speaks to what we saw. You know, I'll go back to McCaffrey because we saw several plays in that last game where the Seahawks were all keyed in on McCaffrey. There were three guys in the area trying to stop him down, stop him. They just they couldn't. And John Lynch, 49ers GM, was on the morning roast with Bonta and Shasky and said this about McCaffrey. He's been a, a godsend, you know. I'll, I'll tell you, everything you see on the field, um, you know, you, you you think you know a player, um, and then it's always you have a little bit of a different reality when you, when you see him up close, when they're on your team. And, um, you know, he's just as good as we ever thought he was on the field or better. I think the intelligence that he plays with is really just elite. And we always talk about systems, you know, and you think about – Christian McCaffrey coming over in the middle of the season, learning this offense on the fly, getting comfortable with multiple quarterbacks because of injury, and now having a young quarterback out there he needs to protect. And an offense he's still probably learning some of the nuance to. The fact that he's been able to do that speaks to when you got a great one, you use him. Just like you said earlier, Saquon. The Giants are in the position they are in today because they have Saquon Barkley. So mm-hmm. miss me with the conversation of not taking care of your running backs, Harry, because when you take care of Saquon, you're really taking care of the Giants moving forward. And Saquon we trust. Oh, look at that. Yeah, but we're just going to always break down the fourth wall here on the show. Devin, uh, one of our producers, is a massive Giants fan. He is a Giants fan to the level that I am a Raiders fan. I can only imagine that every single hour between now and Saturday, Devin's work is going to become less professional. Devin, have you been given the green light to just yell anything Giants-related into the mic at any point? I haven't yet. I'm still waiting for it if you want to. Can you? Do you have the power to grant that? I, I think Harry. Do we have the? I think we have the power. Yeah, yeah, Devin. You know what? Whenever you just want to lay out a, a you know, a go o- Giants. Not, that's is that is that what you guys Whoa, do? Like, put some bass in your voice, Devin. Yeah, I mean, go Giants, go Giants, come on. <laughs> Was Mike Tyson coming in rooting on the Giants? Like, what are you? Just really oh the man, I'm coming in hot, fresh off first take, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. And Harry Douglas, suit on fresh. and everything. If too. you if you are watching us uh, in the app, which you should, you can watch us in the ESPN app. If you are watching us there, uh, you will. See that Harry Douglas right now looks just flat out sensual. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits, and one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply today. All of this conversation about running backs. Let's be real. You're focused on quarterbacks. There is one quarterback that can have a bigger impact in their game than any other this weekend if he's healthy. We'll tell you who it is and why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I think Brian Dayball is a literal genius at what he's done with this team Mm -hmm. and how he's got this team to play. In December, the Eagles put up 48 points, over 400 yards, rushed for over 200 yards against this Giants defense.
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The Giants play the Eagles this weekend. The Eagles have a far bigger rest advantage. We're in a short week here. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. I understand we just played these guys twice here in the last month. In December, the Eagles put up 48 points, over 400 yards, rushed for over 200 yards against this Giants defense. If you're a Giants defender, you're damn right we're going to check Jalen Hurts' oil. We're going to see how healthy he is. It's going to be crazy. The playoffs, they had a bye week. The Savages will be out, baby. We can't wait for Saturday. I love it when we get matchups in the playoffs that not only have history, but have recent history on the field because it allows us to see the best of everybody. And that's what we have the opportunity for this weekend when we get two division rivals that know each other better than almost anybody could ever hope for in a playoff matchup. The Giants, the Eagles. The question is, how's Jalen Hurts' shoulder and what does that mean? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers were presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, you guys can chime in. Triple eight, say ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Harry, I got to get your thoughts on this because I love talking to somebody that is so honest every day about what it was like to play in the league, right? Talk because me. Talk to me, this baby. Is what Talk I want. to me. Fitzy, here, can he, you do something for me? <laughs> hey. By the way, I'm still shooketh. If you're watching us in the app, Harry kept the tie on. Look, Harry was on first take looking, I mean, clean. Clean. I just thought maybe during the first break the tie would come off. And, like, I thought maybe every break there'd be a little less of the, the clothes on by the end. Like, Harry's just sitting there, like, maybe just, you know, just lounging. Never mind. I'm making no, Devin you, uncomfortable. You know why I didn't take it off? No, Man, Mark. A lot of people don't know this about me, but growing up in high school, one day a week, my father used to make me and my brother and uh, some other friends that were part of a youth group, we used to have this day called Dress for Success. And one of my favorite things to do is put on a suit, wear a tie, and just be fashionable in that way. So whenever I have it on, I'm, I'm going to keep it on as long as possible, and I'm not going to take it off. All right, that this is a new th- show thing. What, what day of the week do we want, boys? We're going to pick one day of the week where everybody on this show staff, everybody here, we're all coming in suited up. What day is it? Is it is it Thursdays? Is it is it is it Wednesdays? What's what's dress for success day? I think it's Wednesday. Like Wednesday. middle of the week, we're all struggling to get through the middle of the week. I think that's the good day to do it. Harry, we we have just created new uh, dress fits for and Harry's, success. It's dress for success Wednesdays. So yep. we need the voice of God to tell everybody that. If you watch us in the app, we will all be suited up. Everybody on the show, uh, you know, will be in full full uh, slick wear every Wednesday. And it doesn't have to always be a tie. It can be a you know a nice. You know, overcoat with the collar shirt, with the with the you know with with it unbuttoned at the top and stuff. It could be that as well. It's it dress for be success. It's dress yeah, for exactly. success. Yeah, uh, we we should just like we should give your dad a shout out every Wednesday. He yes. inspires that. All right, uh, this is what Jalen Hurts said uh, when it comes to his shoulder and worrying about whether or not the Giants are going to focus on it defensively. It's football. Um, you know, I, I got a hit. I got a bounty on me every week. I go out there on the field, so. Um, go out there and just play my game. You know, right. whatever happens, happens. So tell me what I, I, I'm sensitive to a former <laughs> player about the word bounty. And I know nobody's <laughs> going to sit there and say that there's actual like cash going out here. But tell me this, HG. Yeah. You're sitting in the room as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know the corner that's banged up, is banged up against you. Yeah. Are you guys factoring that in on the way that you play him? Oh, man, if he has a weak hamstring, we're going to run him out them hamstrings. <laughs> 
We're going <laughs> to run them out them hamstrings 100%. And, yes, now players have to be careful nowadays because we all do know about what happened with the bounty situation in New Orleans Saints and Greg Williams, who was the defensive coordinator at the time. But that used to be the M.O. in the National Football League. Now, guys, it's a little bit more under the table. You don't, you're, not, you're not paying guys to do certain things. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be discussed between Brian Dayboy and Wink Martindale and the players defensively for the New York Football Giants. Hey, Jalen Hurts has a shoulder issue, ladies and gentlemen. And I say ladies and gentlemen because it may be a lady on the staff that's in the room at the time. He has a shoulder issue. Attack. Sitting the hound dogs. You know, give it, give him a little extra here and there. We're going to test that shoulder and see how healthy he really is. Because at the end of the day, it's an advantage for the New York football giants that Jalen Hurts is coming into this game a little hampered. It's an advantage if the New York Giants can hit Jalen Hurts and knock him out of this game and Gardner Minshew has to come in and they try to get their win that way. That's an advantage to New York. So they're going to do everything from a defensive perspective to try to test that shoulder. If they have those quarterback runs that they love to run, the Philadelphia Eagles, if I'm tackling them, if I'm Dexter Lawrence, you know, if I'm any of those other guys, I'm going to land on them a little bit harder. I'm going to put my weight on them a little bit more because once he get out of that, gets out of that pocket from you know a, a, a quarterback throwing motion, it's all fair games now. He now becomes a runner. I, I would even challenge that defensively there's a spot where you might take risk early on you wouldn't usually take when it comes to sending blitzes, right? Like you, you maybe you don't always want to expose yourself, but in my mind what you want to do within the limits of the rules within the, the first quarter is you want to get some serious hits on him. And the best yeah. way to do that is to send somebody extra, right? So in my mind, I could see the Giants taking unnecessary defensive risk early on just because they know that it gives them the chance to really pop Jalen Hurts in a way that he's going to have to figure out how he feels, right? So yeah. I would be, if I'm Wink Martindale, I am more willing to take risk early now, on simply to, simply to test it. There's a rebuttal to that because okay. we also have to remember that the Philadelphia Eagles have a top five wide receiver group right. and pass catchers. Uh, when you look at Devontae Smith, when you look at um, – who am I missing? Uh, Dallas Goddard, Quez Watkins, A.J. Brown. Right. All of those guys are phenomenal catching the football, especially against man coverage. So I don't know – if you're a defensive coordinator in Wheat Martindale, you're saying to yourself, you know what, we want to send the blitz. They did a great job versus the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins with uh, Justin Jefferson of rushing four and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and all those guys, uh, um, Aziz Ojolari, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, getting pressure on Kirk Cousins. Now, can they can they do that within this ball game without sitting the blitz every time? Because when you have a guy like A.J. Brown, who was a jump ball wide receiver and can do a lot of other different things on the field from that position, I don't know if you want to take your chances one-on-one with him against your second. And I totally agree with you in the concept of what you're talking about. In my mind, I'm not sure they can just send four and get after this offensive line as easily as they did against the Vikings, number one. But number two, I think even if it costs me a big play or a touchdown early on, to test the shoulders, the most important thing, right? So I'd be like, if you're asking, this is why I'm not a defensive coordinator, but if you're asking me as a defensive coordinator, <laughs> hey, you got to send the blitz. You are going to get a chance to get a real pop on Jalen Hurts and find out if he's actually healthy it, within the scope of the law, within the letter of the law, you're going to do this in a very legal way. But it could put you at risk to give up a touchdown. Man, if I got to give up Ooh. an early touchdown early just to find out. I don't, know. Out, I don't it, know, bro. I just want to see what that shoulder because, is. Because here's my thing. There's other ways that you can do it. That's fair. When he scrambles and has to and has to be, uh, become a runner, you can do it that way. It doesn't necessarily have to be blitzing because one of the mindsets of starting a game is starting fast. If you give up a touchdown, that's not starting fast that, defensively. That is, that is all fair. That's what's going to be interesting to me about the chess match. By the way, quick uh, quick note out there on social media everywhere. Wink, Wink Martindale came out with a statement essentially oh, telling everybody, goodness. man, I, I chose to be here. I want to be here. I love to be here. 
I'm not looking to go anywhere else. Wink Markendale has told the world I'd rather be the defensive coordinator of Brian Dable's staff than take one of these jobs that are open right now. That Can I just say loudly for the 400th time on this show, Mm -hmm. that speaks to the culture that Dable has created that gives me goosebumps for Giants fans. I can't promise it will result in wins. I can't promise that the Giants are going to be great. But it is obvious that this is an organization people want to be around. And that in and of itself means something. It says a lot about the culture. The culture that has now been built under the helm of Brian Dable, their head coach. It says a lot about those players buying into his system and being able to adjust, right? Uh, for most of the year, being able to play one way and coming to that playoff game last week against Minnesota and altering, uh, altering a lot of things that you do defensively for a common goal. And they end up winning that game and, and achieving that common goal. Now they have a goal to go in and beat uh, the Philadelphia Eagles at home in Philly now. So I think it's a compliment to a lot of things that the organization is doing, starting with head coach Brian Dable. This is Fitz and Harry coming to you live from Seaport, brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. Mm. You never want to give any athlete an extra bit of motivation. Well, one entire team has extra motivation going into this weekend that could be the difference. You'll hear about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You can watch us. Harry all suited up, looking great in the ESPN app. Stephon Diggs, touchdown, Buffalo. Both of these teams turn it over, and both of these teams can rip your heart out with explosive plays. Wide open is Jamar Chase! Forget about it! That's why it's going to be one of the most exciting games of the year. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. reigning AFC champions. I think that really is all that needs to be said in terms of the amount of respect that we have for them. What coaches fret the most in the NFL are turnovers Mm -hmm. and explosive plays. Both of these teams turn it over, and both of these teams can rip your heart out with explosive plays. That's why it's going to be one of the most exciting games of the year. One-week season, man. That's it. all, All that matters is surviving and advancing. It doesn't matter how we win, it's if we win. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. I don't know what the hell we're doing. Like, uh, here's the thing. If you're watching us in the ESPN app, and you should because Harry looks delightful, uh, we both we both have what they call a return, right? And so it's a TV that shows <laughs> us what you guys can see in the app. And we both realized as we look up in the return, which is on a little bit of a delay, we both realized that we were on the TV while you were hearing all of this great conversation to set up the game of the weekend. Had no Bills, idea. Spangles. So Until we both we look up. up. And all of a sudden, as we look up, Harry starts waving at the same time that I give you the cheesiest, like, <laughs> third-grade picture grin you've ever seen in your life, and I realize that we are not professionals. That's a that, that's why, you know, watch this on the app because things get weird. But listen, uh, I tried to explain to a lot of people around here because, uh, you know, a lot of people listen to our show. Um, I'm at Seaport Studio right now in New York, and I tell them, man, we're for the people. Like, we like to have fun. We like to also give y'all insight and knowledge. But at the same time, we're going to, we're going to be ourselves. We're going to be authentic and paint a picture for y'all to be able to relate to us as much as possible. I think the thing that, that this show continually reminds me is that 
we're willing to be serious when we need to, and we're willing to be deep when we need to, but we're also looking to have fun whenever we can because, frankly, it's sports talk. Now, uh, Harry, you know about chip on your shoulder, right? I know about chip on your shoulder. We talk about it. You never want to give that athlete an extra ounce of motivation. Well, I don't think anybody wanted to necessarily give anyone uh, motivation, but there are a couple of interesting things about this Bengals-Bills game, not the least of which is one piece of motivation that Bengals running back Joe Mixon has found for this game. Check out what he had to say. To be honest, it's, it's disrespectful, but we're not worried about that shit. Like I said, we, we got a game to play on Sunday, right? So you can't count us out. We got a game to play on Sunday. Like I said, that other stuff, that don't mean shit. We're going to go out there on Sunday and, um, you know, we're going to do what the hell we got to do to come back with that dub. And then we're going to see what they're talking about. The question he was asked is, is it disrespectful that the Bills are already selling tickets to a neutral site AFC championship game? Hold on, game? Fitz. Yeah. Hold on, okay. man. Okay. Did you not hear that outcast playing in the background? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Throw your hands in the air <laughs> and wave them like you just don't, don't care. care. And if you like fishing grits and all that, everybody let me hear you say, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm an Atlanta kid, man. I'm from the south side of Atlanta. Yeah, uh, well, you know. Shout out to Joe Mixon and company, whoever was playing that outcast in the locker room. Outcast is now, like, look, look, outcast, everybody's outcast. Like, everybody's a fan of outcast. Nobody's nobody's not a fan of outcast. I know it hits different for Atlanta. You you get that. L. Duncan tells me that all the time. I, <laughs> but, but there is this moment where, let me be very, for anyone that doesn't know, if your team is really good, and around week 12, they send out a packet to all the season ticket holders. And that packet Speak is on it. how you get to buy playoff tickets because you got to put your deposits down early. And for most of them, what they tell you is whatever money you put towards playoffs right now will simply roll towards your season tickets next year. They don't want to give you that money back. They want to get that money. So I just have to be clear that it would be standard operating procedure for every team to be selling tickets to an AFC championship game because that's the way it works. But Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's <laughs> mad about it. He's turned it into some sort of a chip that the Bills are of overlooking course. the Bengals. But I don't think that it's just that he's mad about. Number one, he was mad about that coin flip and that whole situation, that whole ordeal that the NFL um, you know, dropped down on him. He even did the celebration where he was kicking the coin, got fined a heavily amount of money which was egregious in my eyes. I don't know why they would find him that much money for flipping the coin and acting like he's kicking the coin. Now, also, if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, what I'm mad about is that recently we just had a game against the uh, Buffalo Bills. And through a tragic event that happened, that DeMar Hamlin, you know, getting hurt within that football game, that game couldn't be, you know, finished and completed. Now, this game is in Buffalo. Buffalo has three losses. The Cincinnati Bengals have four losses. Who was to say Cincinnati wasn't going to win that game against the Buffalo Bills? So why is it this game fits at a neutral site? Why is this game in Buffalo right now? I, I mean, that's what we asked what happened. Like, the, when all of this went down, the first thing we said, and I think a lot of people said, was a little bit of surprise that the Bengals were one of the teams that yeah. voted no towards some of these proposals. But you see now, right now, why they voted that way. But the other thing is, when they originally, like in our group text about this show, when they originally announced that the AFC Championship game was going to a neutral site, the first thing I text y'all was like, why would the Bills Bengals not be played at a neutral site also? Like, I don't understand this. I don't understand why they... Oh, so you're going to take all the credit? Yeah, 100%. We didn't say that together? No, 100%. Oh, okay. I said it first. Okay. Like, I said it all first, right. and then right. everybody else just stole it. Okay. I mean, that... that no, but... but okay. Like, okay. I, mean, I mean, you know... I, to I, each his own. Okay. I, did I still I, love you. Did I say it first time? You did. Okay. See, that... <laughs> 
Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, uh, Fitz and Harry were presented by Progressive Insurance. But I, I think this was the first thing I thought of. We've talked about it a lot for the last couple of weeks as we gotten to this point. Like, if I'm the Bengals, I am wildly mad about yes. this because you and I both also, for the record, picked the Bengals to win the game that night. I, I mean, if the Bengals win that football game and this this weekend's yep. playoff game is in Cincinnati, how much different does it look? I mean, it is the, the home field advantage on two teams match this evenly, especially a home field advantage known as Buffalo, is a huge one for the Bills. So I, I would be irate if I was a Bengals player. Well, here's the part I don't understand. The Kansas City Chiefs well, no, I, I get that part. I get that, you know, if both teams, the Bill won the, Bills won the head-to-head matchup, they didn't get a chance to play a game. Uh, I, I just I just didn't think it should have been, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bills playing in a neutral site location. Like the Cincinnati Bengals in, the, in this whole ordeal. And at the time, you know, some, there were people criticizing, you know, Zach Taylor and ownership, you know, for, for not voting for such things. But rightfully so, they had their reasons why they didn't. And this was one of them. Well, you see this game being played in Buffalo. That's an advantage to Buffalo. That's an advantage to Buffalo. But I think they have a chip on their shoulder, the Cincinnati Bengals. So does Buffalo, right? They want to play for DeMar Hamlin. They want to advance. And, you know, it's a pride thing. You want to win games, you want to advance. But the Cincinnati Bengals right now, in their mindset, they in dog, dog mentality. And when that man, Joe Grapefruit Burrow, is feeling some kind of way, you want to know who I'm putting my money on, Jason Fitz? Are you putting your money on grapefruits? I'm putting my money on grapefruits. You know what? Last time I was here, I went and got them grapefruits, and I used them on first take. Because I last time, exactly. Last time I was in Seaport, I was on first take. I'm gonna go get me some more grapefruits. Yeah, today. Does it bother you that grapefruits probably are hard to find and out of season in Buffalo? It seems like that's a summer. Well, fruit. I'm not in Buffalo, man. I I'm mean, in, no, I'm but in, I mean I'm for this Seaport. weekend, break grapefruit will be in Buffalo this weekend, and I oh, don't know, right. like, like if I'm in the Buffalo area, I'm not, I'm not really shopping for grapefruits right now. It seems like they're out of season. Well, nah, you got to go to the store, the grocery store. <laughs> grocery store should always have, you know, you know, all kind of fruit. But here's the thing about, you know, fruit up here. I could probably get a grapefruit in Atlanta for about, you know, forty nine cents. When I went and bought those grapefruits the last time I was here, they were three dollars and seventeen cent a piece. Yeah, but that's because you're in New York right now instead of Douglasville, uh, Georgia, where was, you know in his Rob, own you you own your own grocery store. It was Robin Peter right? and paying Paul, man. Yeah, Harry Douglas has groceries delivered, and then they apologize for even trying to charge him. They leave him at his house. That's what he's used to. I got this life of luxury mindset. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Right, speaking but, of get out of here, get out of here. Uh, we're going to keep breaking down the Bills Bengals. There's a lot of angles to that game. Everybody right now is telling you about Sean Payton. I'm going to tell you why none of your team should want him. We're going to do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Everybody knows Sean Payton's on the move. The question is, should everybody want him? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel, lady, and your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them to play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hear me out. You've got, uh, like, let's go back to Outcast for a second. I always say this with music, Harry. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the best things a band can do is, is quit before they put out a bunch of bad records, right? So, like, if you are one of those bands that just abruptly stopped making music and you never went through that period where you put out a bunch of records and everybody's like, I don't really like 
like that. <laughs> that that actually works for you because it doesn't like by the end of right now. I'll use the Beatles as an example. Mm-hmm. I know everybody loves the Beatles. You're not allowed to say anything negative about the Beatles. I went to a, a Paul McCartney thing a few years ago. And even the Beatles people around me were just sitting there listening to new Paul McCartney music over and over and over again. And they were like, oh, my God, just play the Beatles at this point. Like, cause there was that moment that everybody that's what everybody wants to hear. And now, like, you just sort of start checking out on the new stuff over and over and over. That's a little bit like coaching because, like, Sean Payton walks away from New Orleans yep. at the same time that he walks away, that his Hall of Fame quarterback walks away. You don't see any proof of negative concept on this. Like, you don't have to watch him struggle like we've, we've – I'm not saying struggle, but – maybe cracks in the perception of Bill Belichick because of a couple pretty good seasons. They weren't even bad, just pretty good seasons. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't know, Belichick. We never had to see any of that. So like Sean Payton, the legend grows and grows and grows and grows and grows because all we saw was Sean Payton be great. I just don't really understand why everybody thinks that it's worth it to give up multiple first-round draft picks, possibly also second- and third-round draft picks, to acquire a coach that we have no idea how he looks without his Hall of Fame quarterback. We've already seen it's not that simple. And you're going to have to give up part of the roster construction that would actually make you competitive. Like, I understand we love the legend of Sean Payton, but you can't tell me that the legend of Sean Payton is so (laughs) incredible that you should mortgage your future for it. That just doesn't work in my mind. Yo, do you hate Sean Payton? No, I don't hate Sean Payton. Oh, okay. I just wanted I'm to make sure. Now, I'm indifferent to Sean Payton. The, like, the thing I would look at is that, you know, Sean Payton at a time when he was coaching for the New Orleans Saints, who happened to be my rival when I was playing for the mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons. So, yep. seen him on very, very numerous of occasions, uh, twice a year, actually, him and Drew Brees. But he took over a franchise that was struggling in the regards of Hurricane Katrina happening, right? And a lot of those people in New Orleans moved to Atlanta, so I know how a lot of them uh, feel. Also, you know, my wife's dad's side of the family, they're from the Ninth Ward down in New Orleans, so I, I 100% know how they how they felt during that time. Uh, in saying that, they needed a lot more. They needed something to help the city, you know, get over that tragic event. And the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton, and we can go back to Gleason blocking the punt uh, and has a statue from doing so as well. And, and granted, it, it's definitely warranted because at a time where a city – uh, the city of New Orleans was needed healing and it was hurting in a in a in a in a in a very strong manner. I think Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees, and those guys allowed them to heal, allowed them to not forget something tragic that happened, but allowed them to get over it. Right, allowed them to move forward within their lives. So when you look at a lot of these franchises, I say you look at the Houston Texans. I'm trying to see who else. Uh, needs a head coach right now. You look at the Houston Texans. You look at the Jack. I, I mean, the, the, uh, the Texans would Colts. take anybody. I, I realize the Texans would take anybody that looks like they know what they're doing. I, I I understand Sean Payton would feel like an upgrade for them. But go ahead. Yes. Well, but but here's my thing though. When you look at the Houston Texans, you look at the Colts. You look at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, all of those teams. You look at the Arizona Cardinals. All of those teams that I just mentioned, the Denver Broncos. All of those teams that I just mentioned are in disarray right now within their organization. And they need to be uplifted by someone who's been there and done it, who's been at this point um, in their career coaching-wise and has seen the fruits of labor that they put in within that franchise as well. That's Sean Payton. That's what Sean Payton was able to do for the city of New Orleans. And a lot of these teams are probably hoping that's what Sean Payton could do for their team and their city as well. Now, granted, the circumstances are different because, you know, you don't have, you know, Hurricane Katrina coming in and ruining your city. But still, the organizations have been in dysfunction for some time. I don't disagree with any of that. And I think a big-name coach brings comfort. 
And I don't disagree with that either. Like Sean Payton coming in, if Sean Payton were announced as the head coach of the Raiders last year, I would have felt tremendous comfort in that. In that moment, you're like, yeah, we got Sean Payton. I agree with all of that. But you look at it, we have nine double-digit win seasons in his time at New Orleans. That is incredible, right? I, I, I take nothing away from that. We also have four seven and nine seasons, an eight and eight season, and a nine and eight season. You have a nine and eight record in the playoffs with one Super Bowl. And I, we have turned some of this into this. But we got to stop that, though. We got to stop that, Fitz. We got to stop saying and just one Super Bowl. No, no, you're right. Do you're, people know how hard it is to get to a Super Bowl? I, you are absolutely right. If it was that easy, Fitz, then everybody would be able to do it. I, I don't disagree with any. Look, I would I would give anything to have a Super Bowl for my favorite team. I don't know that Trust I can me, just me presume <laughs> that Sean Payton becomes the coach of anywhere and suddenly wins a Super Bowl. That's my my thing on it when I look at it is like Sean Payton is a very good coach, just like John Gruden was expected to go in and accomplish a ton of uh, dynastic things with Tampa Bay. He, mm-hmm. he did. He went and won a Super Bowl, and that is incredible, and that means it was worth every ounce of it. Uh, but was it worth it to the Buccaneers to give up so many draft picks and so much of their future to have him, yeah, they won a Super Bowl, so of course it was. But they all already had a stacked roster, right? Like, they already had a bunch of veteran players that were very good. The problem was Tony Dungy couldn't get them over the hump. There's a difference between taking over a team that somebody can't get over a hump and suddenly all asking everybody to come in and rebuild. Like, it is better to be lucky than good. I, I say that all the time. You know that. That's one of my life mantras. But you can't tell me there wasn't a little luck in the fact that the Dolphins would not clear Drew Brees, which means suddenly the Saints acquire him, and all of a sudden you end up with the quarterback that we act like was nothing with with the Chargers. He was not. He was very good with the Chargers. So a yeah. very good quarterback became incredible with a great coach, and that that's great. But I'm not sure that I can just suddenly put a bunch of that into a pot, stir it around, and recreate that magic, especially if I have to give up a bunch of my future draft equity to do it. That's the failing in the logic with Sean Payton. I don't believe that any one coach in the NFL right now, I don't believe any one coach can come in and suddenly save everything. It is a player's Bro, league. It, you need talent. It, it doesn't work like that. Like, And that's not what Sean Payton did when he was in New Orleans. He got to New Orleans in 2006. They won a Super Bowl, what, three years later in 2009? Yeah, but they went 10-6 and six their first year out of the I, game. I, I, right? un- I understand that, bro, but and luck is a part of it sometimes. Right? We can say that the Minnesota Vikings figured out luck on their side this year. They went 11 and 0 in one score games in the regular season. And last year that was that was not the the MO on the model. That was the dark cloud hanging over their head. So luck does play a part in winning the Super Bowl and winning. What I'm saying is that Sean Payton, a lot of these franchises that we're talking about outside of Denver, you you talking about the uh Houston Texans, you talking about the Colts, all these teams are going to be in the mix for a quarterback. A guy that Sean Payton, if he's their coach, thinks that he can groom and get to a level playing great football. Yeah, and I just don't think any of that can be counted on. There's a lot of there's a lot of speculation in that growth process for Sean Payton. Well, we it's the same thing playing a lottery. Well, that is that is fair. All right, it's time for one quarterback to put his team over the top in the playoffs. We're going to tell you who it is and what it means next. Fitz and Harry hanging out with you on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.